When I just serve at Life Church Weekly, I'm at what they call the info wall. It's where they have several of the life groups that are up there, uh, sorted by age. Well, not age, but married, men, women, uh, young adults, digital, uh, whatever it may be. And then they have uh, a handful of different mission projects, local missions that people can get involved in. So I'm out in the lobby about 30 minutes or so uh, after we get done at the 8.30 service and waiting for the 10 o'clock service to start. And then about 20 minutes after the 10 o'clock service. And when I'm not talking with someone, I kind of people watch. I've always been a people watcher. Uh, would like getting to the airport early or between flights and just watching people. But I especially like to watch people at church. Uh, I'm sometimes amazed at what people wear to church. Now, Life Church is not a place where many are dressed up. Uh, seldom see a man in a suit and tie. Uh, you know, I mean, it's very rare. Uh, women in dresses or skirts, you know, is a little more prevalent. But a lot of times, uh, this time of year, uh, people have pants on in the summer, shorts. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't keep up with the latest styles. You know, if you saw me, you would know that. Uh, in the summer, I wear t-shirts and shorts. And when it's not summer, I wear jeans and a sweatshirt. But uh, some people wear shorts year-round, not me. But, you know, there's been some really cold days that we've had, and I've gone to, to Walmart or wherever, and, you know, somebody comes in in, in shorts. But after seeing women with the front of their shirt or blouse or whatever tucked in, I asked my daughters-in-law what was that about. And they said that, it's well, that's the French tuck. Uh, jeans that women wear especially uh, you know look like they've been ripped to shreds it looks like they've been attacked by a bear uh, you know I can't imagine 40 years ago uh, people going out and wearing those uh, unless that was all that they had uh, some of the clothing that I see women wear are in my mind maybe not really appropriate for church um, but footwear is something that I look at, and that's a whole other topic. But I, I wonder why do women at any time wear high heels or boots with high heels on them? You know, it looks like a torture item of some kind. It certainly doesn't look like it could be very comfortable. I used to hear about people that they would go to church in their Sunday meeting, Sunday going to meeting clothes. Uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 to not worry about our clothes and what we wear. And, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so concerned about keeping up with the latest fashions or having the designer whatever and just, you know, get our clothes at the, at the thrift store or wherever and just be clothed decently no matter where we go. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you do 
meet our needs with clothing and all of our other needs as well. And so, Father, help us to uh, be more concerned about other things that are more important, uh, more important to other people, the more important to you. And so, Father, help us to, to focus on the things that you need us to be focusing on, and that's our relationship with you and uh, introducing other people to you. So, Father, as we look at your word, Lord, help us to see what you have for us today in this message. And Lord, we just ask for your blessing on us as the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my last message, How Does This Suit You?, was based on Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12, which says, Finally, being strong in the Lord and his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So in other words, we're not fighting the, the IRS. We're not fighting the guy next door. We're not fighting a, a co-worker or a parent or a child or a teacher or a student or anything else. You know, we're really in a spiritual battle with Satan. Uh, it may come through one of those avenues, but when you come down to it, this, the battle is with Satan. So this message will move on in Ephesians 6, uh, starting with verse 13. And unless I tell you different, everything will be in the NIV. So therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Okay, in a few minutes, we'll start to look at the armor in verses 14 to 17. But first, I want to explore verse 13. Okay, it starts out, therefore. So you always need to look at and see why is the therefore. Therefore. But um, Paul had just told the Ephesian church about the battles that they're going to face and how we need to have the Lord's mighty power to, to be victorious. So, therefore, this is what you need. You need to put on the full armor of God. And you need to you put it all on. You know, not just pieces that you think you might need, but all of it. Why? What's the, the big deal about some or all or whatever? Well, I know I've talked to you about our lousy football team in high school. But when I look at the equipment today compared to what we wore then... Uh, I mean, they're concerned about concussions and head injuries today. Well, apparently back 50 years ago, they really couldn't have cared less about that uh, because all the players except one had just a single bar face mask. Uh, the, the helmets were not custom fit by any means. Uh, you know, the helmet that you were given or selected, you know, was the same helmet that had been worn by a dozen other people at different times. But my point is that uh, as deficient as our equipment was, uh, we wore it all. You didn't say one Saturday afternoon as you're getting ready to 
play, you'd say, well, you know, these shoulder pads, they're, they're just really kind of uncomfortable. You know, they kind of push around my neck and all. So I'm just not going to wear them today. Uh, or you didn't think, you know, I think I can get better traction in my Converse All-Stars. And so I'm not going to wear my spikes. No, if you had half a brain and some didn't because of those poor helmets that we wore, uh, you wanted all the protection that you could get. And at least all the protection you could get at that time because we didn't know any better. So you put on the full armor, not of God, but of Ripley Central School, the full armor that we were given. So there's only one case that I'm aware of where armor was not needed. Okay, if we go to 1 Samuel 17, when the shepherd boy took out Goliath, uh, Saul tried to get David to wear his armor. In verses 38 and 39 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And so you probably know the rest of the story. You know, David took out Goliath, and so it was David 1, Goliath 0. So why do we need God's armor? I mean, why can't we be in battle with no armor on? Well, because there will be a day of evil in our lives, probably many days of evil. So what would a day of evil look like for you and me? Well, the word evil in Greek means hurtful, vicious, evil, harmful, or wicked. I've had some of those days, and I expect to see more of them in the future. But God tells us how to be prepared for that day or those many days. Isn't it great to know that we can be prepared for such things? If we are prepared with our armor on, well, what can we do? Well, Paul tells us that we will be able to stand your ground. That's it? Stand my ground? I don't want to just stand my ground. I want to cut off evil's head like David did. Well, we're getting to that part. Maybe not today, but we will. But there's a lot to be said about standing your ground. You know, if you have been bullied, pushed around, abused, neglected, standing your ground, that sounds pretty remarkable. You would welcome being able to stand your ground. If you were always the last one picked for the team, you were the one that nobody wanted to be in a study group with. And, you know, you couldn't uh, keep a beat in music. You know, no matter how hard you tried, uh, you might start out with a few beats on and then forget it. So you would welcome standing your ground. If you watched a boss cheat or a spouse lie or a parent leave, you'd welcome standing your ground. Well, Paul says if you put on the full armor 
you will stand. And he doesn't say it just once. He's said it twice and about to say it again. Now, the message in verse 13 goes like this. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued. Amen to that. Okay, that's what we need to have. Everything that God has prepared for us to use in that battle against Satan. Well, verse 14 in Ephesians 6 goes on to tell us this. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Uh, that's interesting. A belt. You know, that, that seems pretty simple. You know, it, it's not fortifying of any kind. You know, I wear a belt occasionally. Uh, Diane tells me that I should have a belt on. I wear one. Um, but this isn't just any belt, is it? No, this is the belt of truth. So is there some significance there? Well, of course there is. In Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in the first verse, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor on the earth. He will strike the earth with his rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, and he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So that's what we get in verse 5 of Ephesians 11. It says, Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Well, that's an important part of the belt. I mean, excuse me, that's an important part of the armor, the belt is, because it's righteousness. And that's what the belt means. Or faithfulness, that's what the belt means. And who is this passage referring to? Well, obvious, it's referring to Jesus. The Hebrew also means here a girdle. Uh, you know, like it tells us to, to gird your loins. Uh, the New Living Translation uses the word undergarment instead of sash or belt. Uh, you know, I'm tempted to say, you know, it's if you look at it like that, it sounds kind of like a jockstrap, but that's probably blasphemy. Uh, so if Jesus is going to wear a belt when facing evil, you know, I think we need one as well. You know, and this belt does more than hold your pants up or hold them in place or gather your tunic. Now, because I'm not a wrestling fan. I was when I was a kid back when um, I can't even remember some of the names, Fritz von Erich and the Miller brothers and the Gallagher brothers and Fuzzy Cupid and all. But, you know, I sometimes see a commercial for, you know, it's not the 
WWF anymore. I don't know what they do call it, but I've seen the belts that they win. I mean, they're like a foot high or wide, whatever, and, you know, made out of metal of some kind. And I think this is more the kind of belt that Paul is talking about. Well, verse 14 goes on. <clears throat> Because it says, with a breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, if you need your equipment in football, you need all of it, you need to have it on right. You know, you can't put your shoulder, shoulder pads on backwards. You can't wear your rib pads inside out. You can't have your chin strap unsnapped, even though we see that frequently if we watch college or professional football. But it's saying that we need to have everything where it belongs in the right way. Now, the Greek for breastplate also means girdle. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, five years old or something like that, I went into my grandmother's closet for some reason and there was this thing hanging there. I mean, my grandmother, she was a large lady, but there was this thing hanging in her closet on a hook. And I had no idea what that thing was. But I thought it looked kind of neat. So I <clears throat> put it around myself and went marching out into the living room. And my grandmother was not real happy. But uh, I think what Paul means here is a breastplate because he's talking about going into battle, and that's what we need to have, the breastplate of righteousness. <clears throat> so what does that really mean? Well, Paul's getting a lot of his imagery from um, Isaiah 59:17, where it says, he put on righteousness as his breastplate. And the he and his in that is God did that. So, ah, now that makes sense because God alone is righteous. But at the same time, we receive righteousness from him. In Philippians 3, beginning in verse 7, Paul writes to the, the church of, of Philippi, and to you and I, says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So our righteousness comes only from God through faith in Jesus Christ. So in order to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, a non-believer cannot put on the breastplate of righteousness. <clears throat> That's something that only a believer can do uh, because of that relationship. Because it says that that's how we receive our righteousness. Okay? 
that which is through faith in Christ. Well, Paul continues with what we need to fight Satan. In Ephesians 6.15, it says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, Paul doesn't use the word shoes or boots, uh, but he uses a word uh, in Greek, which is hupadea, which means to put on shoes or sandals. Uh, in other translation, it means to, to be shod or to bind on. So you have to have your feet fitted. So that's pretty close. You know, your feet fitted with what? Well, your feet obviously fitted with some kind of footwear. So there's a few sports that don't need some kind of footwear. You know, swimming or diving, you don't, you know, I don't watch it, but I see bits and pieces of the, the UFC, and most of them aren't wearing any kind of footwear. But, you know, if you play baseball or football or soccer, which is the real football, uh, track, tennis, golf, you know, you, you wear footwear of some kind. Uh, but going into battle, you're probably going to need some footwear. You know, I mean, we can read here in the U.S. about our Revolutionary War or, or Civil War, where many became poorly supplied uh, because they were surrounded by the enemy or uh, because of the weather. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so some of the men would end up with no boots or shoes for that reason. You know, not that it was a choice, but, you know, just because there wasn't anything to be used. Uh, you know, I went in the Army, <coughs> excuse me, in 1967, and, you know, as part of my equipment and all that I received, uh, I was issued a pair of boots and a pair of dress shoes. And, but you had to keep them babies shining like you could see your reflection in there. Well, when I got to Vietnam, we were issued uh, tropical boots or jungle boots uh, that the top part was mostly canvas. Uh, we didn't have to shine those, thank goodness, at least not where I was. I'm sure some places in Saigon or wherever they did. But we were ready for battle because we had put on that part of the armor. Well, what did Paul say about these shoes or boots or sandals? He says, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You go into a game or whatever with a game plan, okay? You, you know, if, if it's a football team or a basketball team, whatever, you know, you've got a, a game plan of what you need to do uh, you know, you've uh, researched the opposing team, you know what they're really good at and they're not so good at, and so you you know how to you want to play your game. <clears throat> uh, you go into a war the same way with a war plan. Uh, you know what you have for armored vehicles and, you know, what you have for air support and uh, maybe ships. Uh, and how many men you have, and, you know, what weapons they have, and, you know, the terrain, and, you know, and so, you know, you have a plan of, you know, this is where the enemy is, how am I going to get to the enemy, or am I going to close in on the enemy? 
And so you have to have that war plan because if you don't have a game plan or you don't have a war plan, you know, you're probably going to lose. You know, I mean, you may just lose a game, which, you know, can make a whole lot of difference. But in a war, you know, if you don't have a war plan, you could lose many innocent people, uh, not just soldiers or airmen, whatever, but, you know, innocent civilians. So you have to be ready. You have to be prepared if you plan on having victory. So Paul says we need to be ready and prepared with what? The gospel of peace. Peace is a goal of every war. Most people, most countries don't delight in going to war. Not at all, as we're experiencing right now. Often war is a lose-lose situation. So what is the gospel of peace? <coughs> Excuse me. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus tell us in John 14.27? He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So the gospel of peace is the gospel of Jesus. So, so far we've learned, or I've tried to teach anyways, uh, first of all, that Satan is real. And secondly, that we're in a battle with Satan. And then in the message today, learned that God's given us the tools that we need in that battle. The belt of truth buckled around our waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Shoes or boots bringing us the gospel of peace. <clears throat> How do they fit? Well, are they too big? Well, if they are, we need to work at growing into them. I want to share with you a, a, a hymn that may be familiar. But there's a word in there that um, I don't use, and probably not very many other people do. <coughs> Excuse me. The word is panoply. And what it means is a, it's a complete set of arms or a suit of armor. It's a protective covering, uh, a shield, a, a coat of mail, whatever. But that's exactly what we need. And that's what Paul tells us that we need. So here's, here's the hymn. Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through his eternal Son, strong in the Lord of hosts and in his mighty power, who in the strength of Jesus trust is more than conqueror. Stand then in his great might, with all his strength endured, and take to arm and, and take to arm you for the fight, the panoply of God, okay, the full armor of God. From strength to strength go on, wrestle and fight and pray, tread all the powers of darkness down, and win the well-fought day. That having these things done, and all your conflicts past, you may obtain through Christ alone 
a crown of joy that lasts. Jesus, eternal Son, we praise thee and adore, who art the God, the Father, one, and Spirit evermore. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for the, the truth of your word, and Lord, the, the truth of that, that hymn, that song, because, Lord, it tells us that we need to put that full armor on, just like your word does. And, Lord, as, uh, as your children, we, we know that, but sometimes we, we fight battles on our own, or we go uh, not fully armed and, and ready for battle. So, Lord, help us to, first of all, understand the fact that you are in every one of our battles, and that we need you to be fighting with us and fighting for us. And so, Father, help us to remember that uh, the next time we find ourselves fighting against whatever it may be, to remember that it's Satan and that you have given us the ways to defeat him. And, Lord, if there's anyone that's listening that that doesn't know you and has not made you the Lord of their life, <clears throat> let today be the day that they make the most important decision that they've ever made to begin the, the, the greatest relationship that they will ever have. You know, I, I love my wife, my kids, my grandkids dearly, but I, I love the Lord more because he is the most important part of my life. Learn if that's what you want in your life, uh, if you want us to have in our lives. Uh, Father, if there's someone that does not have that, assurance does not have that relationship. Lord, let him pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for Jesus, the only Savior. I want to make him my Savior. Please forgive my sin and love me and just guide me in all I do. In Jesus' name, amen.